It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth Hub Podcast, the show about all things B2B SaaS marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B, the growth marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now, joining us today on the show is Rebecca Reynoso, Senior Content Editor and Guest Post Program Manager at G2. And today we're talking about how to actually run a successful guest post program. Guest posting is a great way to scale your content marketing activities and generate some great results for your business. But how can you create a systematic process and program? Well, Rebecca has cracked the code and she's joining us today to spill all her secrets. Rebecca manages G2's editorial calendar for all guest article contributions, which have generated over half a million yearly website sessions, 80% of which are organic. Now, in this episode, Rebecca discusses the value of guest posting, how to draft a good and clear set of guest post guidelines, what goes into strong guest posting editorial standards, and the story of how G2's guest post program has evolved over time. Now, there's all this and more, so here we go with episode 66 of the Growth of Podcast with Rebecca Reynoso, Senior Content Editor and Guest Post Program Manager at G2. Welcome to another episode of the Growth of Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Rebecca Reynoso to the show, who is content editor and guest post program manager at G2. So Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, super thrilled to have you on the show. And today we're talking about how to actually run a successful guest post program, which you've done very successfully at G2. And I know a lot of marketers in SaaS are trying to figure this one out. So great that we can dig into this topic together. And I thought to kick things off, I'd just like to ask, what have you actually found to be the big benefits and the actual value of guest posting for a B2B business? Yeah. So it's kind of two-sided. One naturally is um, having more content that drives traffic, uh, relevant traffic to your site, uh, written by people that you don't necessarily employ at your company. Um, you know, naturally, this is probably something that a lot of people are interested in when they're thinking about guest posting, like, hey, you know, if I get a lot of people to write for our website, you know, that's naturally going to drive up traffic, which you're absolutely right, it will. Um, just diving headfirst into it blindly is not going to help, but, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. But the other uh, side of it is the relationship building. And I know it kind of sounds corny or cheesy, but um, you really do build strong relationships with other companies that could be of value for you in a multitude of ways. You might end up uh, developing a link building partnership with them. You know, we have somebody on our team who does that specifically, and that might be an opportunity uh, to connect that person and the person who does that over at the company who just wrote for you. Or you might be able to find a place to have a webinar with that company and get the sales team involved. And just, there's so many different teams in your own company that you can kind of pull into the process at any point that kind of makes the whole uh, value add of guest posting in general, just so much greater than, you know, uh, a blog post for your website. Yeah, that's a super good point. And I think 
a lot of people, when they think of guest posting, it's more about, okay, we can get more content, more traffic. But I think the point on relationship building is super, super important and maybe forgotten when people are thinking about building a successful guest post program. So great point. And I'd love to know from here. So, so let's dig into what you're doing at G2. So what did G2's guest posting program look like before when you took things over versus what it actually looks like today? Sure. So uh, we are just coming up to two years having a guest post program uh, in a formal sense. Um, so we have basically had this program in place since I'd say spring of 2019. And back then we kind of didn't have a structure. There were no guidelines in place. It was just kind of, hey, um, we have some sort of connection with these other companies. They want to write a post on our site and get a couple links. We want to write a post on their site and get a couple links. So it was just kind of like a link building exchange, which was, you know, had its value, but it wasn't sustainable for the long term. And over the course of the first year, so in 2019, um, the whole process. So at that point, I was just, you know, I kind of volunteered myself to be like, hey, I see that there are some guest posts, uh, you know, sitting in our queue that need to be edited. The person who had been editing them was no longer uh, with our team. And so I just kind of jumped right in and, you know, I took that on. And so at that point, I was just editing the content, didn't really have any say about a process or anything like that. And for that first full year, we just kind of took what came at us, um, you know, did a thorough copy edit on my end, got it uploaded and published on the site. But beyond that, we weren't, you know, fact checking. We weren't checking for, um, you know, if things were unique and newly written or if they were, you know, republished from another site. And if the people that we were communicating with were uh, legitimate, like, uh, I don't know how many times in the course of doing this, we've had people, we usually get um, outreach emails uh, for people who want to write for us that have like, you know, generic first name, last name, and a bunch of numbers, Gmail uh, accounts. And those are usually, I wouldn't say like 99% of the time, but um, they're usually um, spam or somebody using a fake persona um, that kind of just wants to get a bunch of links to their website. And so we had a lot of those instances, basically really chaotic, just a lot of publishing without any rhyme or reason, no structure in that whole first year. By the end of 2019, um, a few teammates of mine who, you know, I have since moved on from G2, uh, we came up with uh, a new process and a new plan where we wrote guidelines that uh, any guest writers had to follow and then had somebody from the web development team create a landing page for us where those guidelines still live today. And on there, it basically lays out all the general and technical guidelines that we have for any of our writers. So that way they know what our word count is and the kind of links they can include and what we need from them. And so in early 2020, this is when we had a more fleshed out team. We had an SEO person. We had a communication person who would kind of coordinate um, with our guest writers to kind of get their posts ready to go. And then we had a me, which was the editor and the publisher and kind of the SEO check all in one. 
And so it was kind of a three-tiered system at that point. And unfortunately, you know, as you're probably aware, we went through um, some layoffs in the summer. So at that time, the team was scaled back greatly. And um, anybody else who was involved with the guest post program, other than me and one other individual, was no longer with our team. So that said, we had to kind of restructure and think things through again. When the other person left our team, uh, you know, of their own volition, um, I was able to take over the guest post program in its entirety. And from that point, I was kind of able to, you know, update those guidelines and kind of create a little bit more of I guess, a stricter process for people submitting because we would still get a lot of low quality pitches. I still do to this day, but I would say it's probably like half of what we used to get. And uh, basically just revamped those guidelines, um, put like, I have a whole outline process for our writers to use and just kind of put um, some more structured roadblocks for, you know, making sure that we have the right people, people who have like good intentions, you know, a legitimate websites aren't trying to get weird links, uh, you know, wrote things brand new and unique for our site, basically just kind of like making sure every step was checked off before allowing somebody to publish content on our site. And because of that, um, we've had our most successful year ever in terms of traffic with guest posting. And so I'm really excited about that because, you know, upping the quality basically just transformed it from being you know, a, a nice to have addition to our content marketing process to an absolute essential component of G2's content marketing team as it stands today. Wow, that's amazing to hear the transformation in the story you went through. And I think a lot of content marketers will run guest posting on the side in addition to their own work as original content producers, especially within small teams. But great to hear you had a dedicated team. And one thing I'd just love to ask on the back of this, where does the guest post program sit in your marketing organization at G2? So it, I would say it's, I don't know the exact split in terms of how many or like the breakdown of like what to once, what to what per month, but it's part of the uh, editorial planning process. So it's on, we have our own editorial calendar that integrates with the overall content team calendar. You know, I'm in on all of the editorial planning meetings and basically we rely on these uh you know guest pieces of content as part of our overall um publishing and traffic metrics uh that we look at on a quarterly half and yearly basis so um it's not just kind of a one-off thing it's definitely built in and integrated into our entire uh content calendar yeah that's awesome great to hear and you spoke about this earlier but all marketers and content marketers, I think, get millions of guest post pitches seemingly every day, it seems. So how can you tell a good pitch from a bad pitch? So um, my processes are probably a little bit different from other people unless they also have dedicated guidelines on their site. But typically, I can tell a good pitch uh, is one that read through our guidelines and submitted the few things that are requested of them. So on our guidelines page, there's uh, a small section at the very bottom. You scroll all the way down and you can see it. And you wouldn't be able to get the contact email unless you scroll to the bottom of the page. So that's how I know that you've read the full page or you know just skimmed through. But regardless, you have to look at the page, scroll all the way to the bottom, find the contact email, and there it asks uh, somebody to submit their name, their pitch, along with their targeted keywords, um, 
their author bio and their photo. So that way I know like, hey, this person works for company X. This is the topic or series of topics they want to write about. They understand what keyword research is because they gave me, you know, the keywords that they're trying to target instead of just like a really long winded um, blog title that they want to pitch. And um, gave me some kind of like proof to, you know, show me like, hey, I am who I say I am. And I know it's, it kind of feels like uh, a little unfortunate, I would say that we have to do something like this, but there have been so many times where, um, you know, I'm going to go back to that example of like name, first name, last name, and numbers in a Gmail address or something like that, um, where we've had people reach out like, um, you know, I'm Charlie Jones and I'm, a B2B writer. And then, you know, they don't have any links to content they've written. They don't have any social profiles. Their email address is like first name, last name, and then, you know, a series of numbers where you can kind of tell they just made something up on the fly. This might be a burner email account. Um, And, you know, maybe the language they write with doesn't match the language that they share links to and stuff like that, where you can kind of tell there's a discrepancy in who they say they are versus who they really are. And to avoid those situations, knowing who a legitimate pitch is coming from, like, you know, we have a lot of like freelancers and stuff right for us too. So it's not just like, oh, you have to be part of a company because that would be ridiculous. But, you know, established freelancers typically have a portfolio. I would know because I have one as well. And, you know, my personal Gmail address is my first, middle and last name. So where it's like, how can you tell somebody like that versus somebody you know, who might be making up a burner account. Um, it's all about what kind of language they use when talking to you and whether or not they include uh, links over to, you know, blogs they've actually published, their own website portfolio, potentially social media links, uh, et cetera. Basically something that can validate who they are, just a little confirmation to be like, hey, this person's a freelance writer, but, you know, I see they have a really great um you know, a list of articles that they've written for, for other websites that I'm familiar with, let's give them a shot. And then you can work with that person. But if somebody can't, you know, provide those like base level things that we need to see just to like validate who they are, um, it's going to be a no-go from me. Yeah, really good points. And an important success factor to good guest posting, as you just mentioned, are your own guidelines. So I think maybe we could say on the back of uh, what you just said that your pitches might only be as good as your own guidelines. So what are the things you include in your guest post guidelines? Can you cover some of the key points for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned before that we break them down into general and technical guidelines. And so in the general guidelines, um, I know like maybe those terms might not make any sense. So I'll I'll dive in them a little bit deeper. But so for the general guidelines, um, first and foremost thing that we include is that people need to submit a pitch and wait for it to be accepted because um, what I thought was super clear language came up uh, two different instances within like a month time frame showed me that maybe my language wasn't as clear as I was hoping it to be. Um, so uh, I had initially just had uh, you know, a section where it said your blogs would be 2,500 plus words, um, you know, once you're approved. But then I would have people sending over completed blogs like, hey, I wrote a blog of 2,500 plus words 
happens and I'm like, oh, we don't accept full blogs. So I alter the language a bit to say, you know, submit your pitch, you know, via email, wait to see if it's accepted. Don't just submit your pitch along with a full article because we can't accept that. You know, it's just, it wastes the writer's time. It wastes our time. I have to run it through, you know, plagiarism software to check anyway, but you know, if they're not going through our process, it's not something that we want to get published on our site because that's just not how we work here. Um, so submit your pitch, wait to see if it's accepted, the guideline of how many words they need to hit. We have 2,500, which is steep, like absolutely a steep because I know I've written guest posts for other sites that, you know, might have 800 to 1,200 words. And, you know, to, to each site their own, I'd say. Uh, some places, you know, don't mind shorter form content. And while some of our content might be, you know, closer to the 2,000, 2,100 word mark, we have this uh, high base level for content uh, to be this long. Because if you put, hey, we want a blog of 1,000 words, you're going to get people writing 600 words and be like, oh, there you go. So when you put 2,500 words in there and they submit 2,000, you still have really quality long form content. It's not like if you are, you know, 300 words off of the mark, we're not going to publish. No, absolutely not. But if something comes back, that's like a thousand words, 1500 words, it's just not going to fly for our content strategy and our end goals. Um, within those general guidelines as well, we talk about that the content cannot be promotional and for some reason, a lot of people are super confused on this uh, point, so hopefully I can explain it really well here, but uh, non-promotional just means that you can't promote your brand, your product, your service, or any demos that, you know, you might offer. So basically, if I'm writing a guest post for another site, I can't be like, you should check out G2 and see, you know, what we offer with, you know, G2 track and stuff like that that like this is just not you would talk about in a guest post because it's not a paid promotion you're talking about some general seo topic and while it's coming from your brand's expertise um it's not a platform for you to kind of like brag on your brand basically and so that's within our general guidelines as well we also talk about uh, the types of content we cannot accept so something um, within that realm would be like product or tool listicles. Naturally, you know, G2 is a software review site and our research team does uh, proprietary research that comes up with these rankings and we have our tool lists like our best of based on user reviews and that's not something we make up. That's literally based on the reviews that come in from our users. So it's not like we can say, oh, tool X is the best because it's our favorite. We just don't do that here. And so we have a lot of people pitch like, oh, oh, here are the 10 best, uh, you know, keyword research tools to use. And it's like, that's, you know, based on your opinion, it's not based on research. And we can't come off looking biased, especially from the standpoint where we are, you know, a software review company um, to avoid bias and, you know, to keep those kind of like tool lists accurate to, you know, factual data. That's something that we don't allow. Um, no trends and predictions type of pieces either. Those content uh, types are really time bound. So if you're saying like the 10 best graphic design trends for 2021, that's not going to be relevant for very long, you know? So if it's something where you, you know, we absolutely want um, like X trends or whatever, but not something that's time bound. Like if you're talking about something where it's like, hey, this is going to change within the next six months, um, it's not necessarily valuable for us long term. And it's something that we're going to have to update super quick. Um, so generally, we try to avoid that type of content. 
and then just like super general, like no syndication, no copied, no plagiarized content. And that's another general guideline. It's kind of straightforward. You'd think that somebody coming to write a blog for your site wouldn't want to produce something like that. But, you know, like I said, there are some uh, players in the game that just kind of want to get their blog published again and again and just pitch it everywhere and see who bites. Um, so that's why we say, you know, as one of our general guidelines, we can't accept that. Um, as for the technical guidelines, this is more of like how many do follow links you'd get in your blog, what kind of links you can use. So again, uh, we're all about like non-promotional and super informational content. So like no homepage links, landing page links, or like demo our product within the web copy. However, if you want to have a homepage link in your bio, like go for it. We absolutely encourage that. Um, and we want, you know, we want you to get credit. We want your site to get credit for the blog that you're writing. You just can't be like, hey, click on this link to get a demo of our product. Because again, that falls under promotional content. And it's not something that we are comfortable with doing on our sites. Um, we also have to put in the technical guidelines that people need to cite their sources because that is another super fun thing for me, uh, hunting down source material. Um, you know, people might say, oh, in the latest x report from this company but then and then use that like as their basis for the entire blog post and then use a bunch of facts and figures and percentages and never link to whatever content they're talking about it's even worse when they're using multiple sources and never link to them that i have to try to go hunt down you know uh statistics that you know if a <laughs> hundred companies wrote a you know x statistics piece on this topic i'm never going to find the original source and so yeah, that's definitely something in our technical guidelines. Please include source links to all of your material. Like, I cannot stress that enough. Um, and then just other things like you need to have your article target around a keyword. Uh, we really stress this because even though we aren't um, having our guest posters target those really high volume keywords, these are more like niche, lower volume keywords. They still need to be centered around a keyword. Um, you know, that's also another way I can usually tell like a legitimate pitch versus an illegitimate one is if the person understands what keyword research means and understands what targeting an article around a central keyword is. If they don't understand that, they're probably not going to be able to produce a piece of SEO content worthy for your blog. You know, there are probably some exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, uh, that's definitely a big one for us. Like you need to have an idea of the topics you want to write, a the keywords you want to write on or tell me, you know, a series of topics and I can help come up with those keywords for you. So that way it's still valuable for us, still has traffic potential and isn't something that, uh, you know, is going to get lost and kind of fall off, have zero traffic after a couple of months and then just end up dying on the blog. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. There was so much good stuff hidden there in that answer on guidelines. So I think a lot for everyone to take there and I guess the next step so once you've accepted a pitch and a guest author has created their draft it's about reviewing and editing guest articles so what goes into strong guest posting editorial standards so for us even before we get into you know diving into edit the content itself we actually have um, an outline process um, that comes first so after a pitch is approved um, at that point, you know, pitch is approved. At that point, we 
come up with the outline. So we have a proprietary outline document that we use. It's broken down into four parts. The top part is, you know, for our use, it includes the um, slug for the URL, the keywords that we want to be hit. And then the second section is for the writer to fill in. So with all of their information, um, you know, their author bio, the links they want included, and uh, the meta description for their article. And um, I prefer having the writers include their own meta descriptions because they know their content better than I ever could. Um, especially like, you know, in the past, I used to write uh, the meta descriptions for every single article. And while I was able to come up with something, you know, acceptable, uh, the meta descriptions I get from writers themselves are, you know, they blow me away. It's basically like uh, a small version of their article wrapped into three or four sentences. And it's just phenomenal. Definitely uh, much better than anything I could have ever come up with on my own. So after um, those two sections are filled out, they also fill out the outline itself, which we actually have an outline skeleton. So it includes all of the header sections, um, basically a structure and outline telling them like, hey, your title can be up to this long for our SEO purposes. Please include your primary keyword in your you know, first header and stuff like that. If it's a more high volume or high traffic potential article or potentially something that we might have difficulty ranking for unless we hit all of the marks, uh, you know, based on the competitive analysis that we do uh, before sending anything out. I will come up with the outline myself and then send it over to the writer. If it's something a little bit more niche, like a software category that I have absolutely no idea about, or just a topic that I would probably not be the best person to come up with an outline. I'll have the writer come up with their own outline and then just review it after doing a competitive analysis on their keyword. So it just kind of depends. So like if it's, for example, like maybe it's uh, content marketing tips, that's something that I would probably come up with on my own. You know, it's something I'm super familiar with and something that would probably be difficult to rank just based on the wealth of content out there. But if it's something like uh, ERP software, I probably would not be the best person to come up with an outline for that. So I would defer to whoever is writing to come up with their own outline, pass it over to me afterwards, and then cross-check it with other web content that exists. Um, so after all that is said and done, they come back, send over their outline that's fully filled out. Then I have, you know, I check everything off, make sure to, you know, if I see like, hey, they included a link to their homepage, you know, even though it's in our guidelines, sometimes people, you know, either accidentally or intentionally slip them in, uh, hoping that maybe we'll just be like this, this works. So instead of, you know, waiting until the final draft to kind of identify those things, I'm able to catch them early on by uh, having the outline as part of our process primarily. Um, so then after all of that, you know, okay, we've got the outline, it's approved, sent over to write. Now they're done with their draft and send it back over to me. I do a full editing suite. So, so basically copy editing, line editing, proofreading, structural and developmental editing, which to some people, they might be like, what's the difference? I'm not going to get into all of the differences between those editing formats, but in general, instead of just like checking for grammar and punctuation, I'm also making sure that the content flows well, that it sounds logical, it's on topic, um, it's formatted properly, any modules, callouts, links are correct, uh, any images have, you know, the alt text that they need, they're formatted right for the blog. So basically, it's just making sure that 
this is going to look the best it possibly can when I upload it to our CMS. Um, so at that point, you know, I take everything after doing the full editing suite, get it uploaded to our CMS, um, do some other, you know, tweaks and stuff like that, like adding jump links and adding CTAs and things like that. And, you know, finding a featured image. Once all of that is said and done, it's ready for publication. So it's a really thorough process that, you know, takes time. It's not something you can just briefly glance over. You know, some edits take less time than others, especially if the person is a really skilled content writer. If somebody is, you know, not quite as a senior of a writer as other people, you know, it might take me a little bit more time to refine the language to make it sound more like G2's voice without removing the author's voice, you know, at the same time is something that would live on G2, but still be unique to that author. Um, but yeah, so it just depends like the quality of the content and the, I guess the level of the writer producing the content as well determines how long or how much time it takes for a piece to be edited by me. Yeah, that's great advice. And I would love to know from here, what are some of the results that you've generated through guest articles and your guest post program? So uh, the one thing that people are probably most interested in hearing about is like, what traffic results do we actually drive from this? And, um, you know, we just had our uh, team like year in review and, you know, I drew up all the numbers and we hit about 560,000 uh, sessions for the entire calendar year of 2020, which is really astounding. Like that's just guest posts alone. That's not our other traffic included, um, which amounts to about 47,000 sessions per month. And that's uh, you know, from all of our guest posts since the beginning. So, you know, it might be some older content ranking or some newer, really relevant content. We actually had um, in our year in review session, uh, one of the called out pieces was uh, a guest post that was about uh, landing page examples. And it's just been doing really well. It was published, I think, uh, maybe March of 2020, something like that. Um, early 2020 though. And it's just seen, you know, astronomical traffic over the last calendar year. So sometimes you'll have those topics where it's like, it's, you hit the nail on the head, right on the money where people are searching for that. And, you know, you're going to find a lot of success and something could just be really well-written as well, you know, hitting all of the marks SEO wise, and also just be really good writing. We also had another piece that uh, is a little bit more niche that actually holds the featured snippet. Um, it's about influencer marketing contracts, and it's held the feature snippet for like over six months, which is wild. Um, really excited about that because that was another, you know, guest poster that came to me. They're like, hey, I write all about influencer marketing you know, here are a couple of topics. Do you think any of these things would work? And then when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I think this would work best. And we ran with it and they created an, a super valuable piece of content. So while we don't necessarily share traffic metrics directly with the people who write for us, because, you know, that's uh, internal uh, information and data. Um, I do want to say like, any of the people who have written for us before, you know, thank you because you, all of your writing altogether makes our Learn Hub a more valuable uh, resource for people who are, you know, coming to read stuff that you've written. Yeah, that's amazing. Really incredible results. And I think once you've found good guest writers, it's good to obviously keep working with them. So how do you encourage some of your guest authors to write for you again in future? So that's a good point. We've had a couple, like a handful of people write for us, you know, more than two or three times. We usually get, if it's somebody who, 
really enjoyed working with us and vice versa, they'll probably write for us about two or three times. Um, if it's a company like, you know, we work with um, some of our customers from the sales team that bring over, you know, they might write for us on a quarterly basis or maybe a bi-monthly basis, just something where we have a regular, um, you know, slate of content scheduled for them to write on typically you know, for our customers um, it'll be within whatever their category is on g2 which makes total sense but for those people who aren't customers we've actually had one writer i won't call him out by name but he has written for us i think 13 times in the last calendar year and this is you know we just have a really good relationship with him he um you know, works as an editor for a tech company. And, you know, naturally, yes, he's getting some backlinks to his site, but he's also providing super phenomenal content for us. And it's a win-win both ways. Um, he's a really great person to work with, super friendly, always communicative, always coming forward with great ideas for us. And so developing those kind of business relationships, it's just, you can't find anything better. Like that's definitely somebody like I've even recommended him to other sites to write guest posts for them because of how great he is uh, for our guest post needs. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think it's nice to loop back to where we started and you spoke about the importance of relationship building and that that's one of the, the big values from a guest post program. So great to hear that story. And I have to say, this was super good, Rebecca, and we could now actually move on to our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So to wrap things up, I'm just going to ask five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So are you ready? Maybe. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> all right, let's do it. So first question, what is the one book you would recommend others to read? All right. I don't have a business book, so hopefully that was not a requirement here, but I would definitely say um, everybody should read one of my favorite books growing up uh, was Never Let Me Go. It's a sci-fi novel. Um, it actually turned into a movie too, but it's just, it talks about like cloning and stuff like that. And it's just a really good read. You kind of get lost in it. And it's, uh, you know, I think the first time I read it, I was like maybe 15 or 16 and like, it was definitely a tearjerker so if that's something you're into sci-fi and a little bit of emotions uh give that a good read nice i think that's probably the first sci-fi recommendation we've had so <laughs> that's good to mix it up and i think yeah. a lot of the the content marketers and creatives listening could uh, could get a lot out of that so <laughs> that's awesome uh second question SaaS company you love and why all right i might be uh, a little bit biased but um hubspot is my favorite SaaS company. I'm just, I'm obsessed with them. I, you know, I've heard some people say they're super expensive and I'm sure they are, but I'm not the one who has to directly pay them. So um, I don't mind too much. Uh, I think their CMS is, uh, you know, the best of the best, at least for my needs. You know, I've worked off of WordPress and stuff before too, and, you know, no hate to WordPress, but HubSpot has my heart. Yes, definitely. Good shout. Um, third question, favorite place to learn about marketing online? All right, you're gonna hate me, but um, G2. Um, <laughs> I, I mean it though, like we have really incredible content on so many different topics that uh, if I am sending over, like I have a friend who uh, does drop shipping and she was wanting to learn more about it. And so I actually sent her a couple articles that were on G2 where it's like a really niche topic. And, you know, she was like, wow, this is great. You have an article for everything. So anytime she reaches out to me about like, do you know anything about this? I'm like, I don't know. Let me see. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Great. And uh, yeah, I thought you might uh, give G2 a shout out there. So uh, good. good for <laughs> everyone to go and uh, definitely check out a lot of your content after this. And uh 
fourth question then, most important growth metric? This one's hard. I think just from my perspective, I am going to say um, any, and this is not going to be like super specific, but I'm going to say anything that can translate your traffic into revenue is probably what you want to look at the most. Like we have a lot of sales enablement content. We like best posting specifically works really close with sales and I'm able to see the influence revenue from our guest posts. So I would say from a content perspective, uh, anything that can help influence revenue, even if you're doing it indirectly, should be the growth metric that you focus on most. Yeah, definitely. And then fifth and final question, best piece of advice for fellow marketers? Um, Sound like a broken record here, but build (laughs) good relationships. And I mean this with true sincerity. I've had a lot of people connect with me on both Twitter and LinkedIn, where, uh, you know, they'll actually reach out to me and be like, hey, I read this, or I saw you post about that, and I'd love to talk more. Those are the best things that you can do, whether you're brand new in your career, trying to move elsewhere, or just trying to, you know, get to know people within your niche, Uh, build those relationships, you know, don't do it where you just follow a bunch of people online, or add a bunch of people at random on LinkedIn and then never interact with them because it's not valuable for you. It's not valuable for them. And then it's just, you have a follower metric that is a vanity metric at that point. You know, it doesn't matter how many followers or connections you have if you're not actually making them work for you. Yeah, absolutely. And this is super good advice. And also what Catherine, our previous guest in the previous episode said as well. So good to have this advice come up back to back, super, super important. And I have to say, Rebecca, this was absolutely fantastic. And I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the Growth of Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great. I love the rapid fire questions at the end. Definitely makes you think on your feet. Um, <laughs> and yeah, really fun. And thanks for you know having me on. It, it was a really cool experience. That was Rebecca Reynoso on how to actually run a successful guest post program. So thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And as ever, you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories.